Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Way. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And in today's Bible study, we're going to be studying the judgments and past, present, and future judgments. This is part one of 31. So we're going to really look at every single judgment that the Bible speaks about. We're going to go in depth into it. And uh, I hope you enjoy this as much as I've enjoyed it, putting it together for you. So let's begin with the introduction. A great deal of confusion exists with respect to the subject of God's judgments and particularly regarding the final judgment. It is the purpose of this study to cover all of the major judgments, past, present, and future, that we find in Scripture to help resolve this confusion. For instance, many do not understand that instead of one final judgment, the Bible teaches that there are a series of five to seven future judgments, depending on how they are categorized. That differ in respect to time, to purpose, to subjects and circumstances. Now, understanding these various judgments will give insight into God's program. But the goal here is not just information. You see, God wants Christians to understand the truth of the judgments to both comfort and to motivate them to a godly living. He wants those who have not trusted in Christ to understand the judgments that this might motivate them to trust in Christ as their personal Savior because He bore the judgment of, the, of their sin in their place, of all of our sins. And the Christian will not face a final judgment because Christ was judged for us. But all believers will face a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ, the nature of which will be covered in the materials to follow. Sin has always had its consequences, and the doctrine of the judgment calls our attention to both the reality and the nature of the consequences of sin. The details of this will be developed in a summarized fashion in the material that follows. Though one's primary focus might be on the future judgment, this study will also cover the judgments of the past, the judgments of the present, because they are related and form a part of the total picture revealed in Scripture. So let us begin by looking at the past judgments. And we find the judgment of Satan and the fallen angels. And so we got some key scriptures that elude and give us a glimpse as to what happened. All of the scriptures that I will be using are going to be out of the NIV, but you are more than welcome to use whatever version you have. And now Matthew 25 and 41 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you are cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. 
you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zavon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And in Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through 19, starting at verse 11, And the word of the Lord came to me, The Son of Man take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre, and say to him, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, and topaz, onyx, and jasper, and lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mounds were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. Wow, what an honor to be ordained by God into a position of trust. Amen? Him physically. Wow. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. In other words, you know what's there. You know that, 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 that hell exists. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Though your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned, so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. And I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you were appalled at you, how you have come to a horrible end, and you will be no more. And Revelation 12, verses 3 through 4. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky. And we're referring to angels. The stars are angels. It refers to angels. So it, its tail swept a third of the angels out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth 
so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. This is God's judgment to cast Satan down from his position in heaven as the anointed cherub with all those angels who followed him to this earth and its atmosphere as a primary abode of their operations. And Ephesians 2, 2 in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The word air in the Greek is the word air, and it's a reference to an atmospheric heavens. Evidently, immediately after Satan's fall, God sentenced Satan and his angels, condemning them to the lake of fire. And though anticipated as certain and viewed as accomplished, this sentence against Satan and his evil host will not be carried out until the millennial reign of Christ. So let us compare these verses. John 12, 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And just to give you an idea a little bit about the the the, the perfume that, that we're talking about here, that was so expensive in their times, in the biblical times, there was pretty much almost a year's salary just to be able to buy a pint of this expensive perfume. Amen? Now let's compare that with Revelation 20.10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of the burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the basis of Satan's judgment and final disposal is the finished work of Christ on the cross first anticipated and the protoevangelium of us. In Genesis 3.15 of the NIV, we will find, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Then in anticipation of his death on the cross, the Lord spoke of Satan's judgment and doom. And in John 12, 31, we read, Now is the time for judgment of, on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. John 16 and verse 11. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, Luke 10, 18 through 19, and he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now let's compare that also with Romans 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Ephesians 1, 
verse 20 through 21. And he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Colossians 2, verses 14 and 15. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, in other words, our sins, by which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So friends, when Jesus went to the cross, it's for all of us. It's not just for some of us. It's not for one group and not for the other, or because of this or because of that. No, friends. He died to forgive everyone's sin and to give everyone the opportunity to be able to be forgiven of their sins and to spend eternity with him in heaven. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Because he gave us a way out. Hebrews 2, 14, 1. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Now we're going to look at the Edenic judgments of Genesis 3. So after the fall of Adam and Eve, we pick up the story, and as a judgment for mankind's disobedience regarding the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we find in Genesis 2.17, But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Certain curses or judgments were placed upon Satan, the promise of his final doom, upon Adam and Eve and upon the earth. Adam and Eve died spiritually and began to die physically, Physical death became a certainty for their future because they took of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. Therefore, as the scripture says, and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, after and after this comes the judgment. So we only die once, friends. We don't, we don't keep, we, you know, after that comes a judgment. So in other words, you die once here, and then you come before the Lord and judgment begins. And then from that point, we're either sent to heaven or we're sent to hell by the Lord. He makes the final judgment. Now Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Romans 8, 18-22 the present suffering and future glory. Starting at verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that, that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject, subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, 
but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now look at what Jesus says. In Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12, and the title of this passage in the Bible is The Armor of God. Starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, how do we put on the armor of God? You know, do we have to get a sword? Do we have to get a breastplate? Friends, the armor of God is what we're doing here, studying his word, being up to date on his words so that Satan cannot get us in one of his schemes. Amen. And now verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. And he closes, and we're going to close out this part of, uh, of the first part of the judgments with 1 Peter 5.8. And this will tell you why all of us need to put on the armor of God, including myself. I start with me. Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's what he does 24-7. And he goes from one place of the earth to the other, finding anyone and everyone that he can devour. And that's why we need to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And you may say, you know what? He's not going to attack me. Let us remember, friends, that he was so brazen that he tempted Jesus. Don't you remember when he took him up to the mountain and he said, I will give you all of this. I'll give you all the materialism that you want. If you will just kneel down to me. Friends, if he was so brazen, knowing who Jesus was, to do that to him, what will he do to us? Amen. And you know, friends, I just want you to know something. That this, this series came, in, came into focus for me because the Lord spoke to me. And because I know, I know that there are a lot of people that have been displaced in one way or another, discouraged or whatever word we want to use from going to church. And they say, well, you know, you've committed that sin. 
you have this lifestyle, uh, you wear red makeup, uh, whatever. You wear a green shirt. And I just want you to know that the price for all of us was paid the day that Jesus allowed them to crucify him because that gave us a way out. And friends, if you've ever been told by anyone, a pastor, uh, a senior person at a church, and if they've ever damaged you and told you that you're going to hell, friends, let me share something with you. There's not a person on the face of this earth that has the power to condemn and send you or me anywhere. As a matter of fact, I can't send myself to heaven and I can't send myself to hell. That's Jesus' job. And I don't want you to be tormented with that because that is wrong. That is bad theology. And we're going to have 31 parts of the judgments and hopefully, you'll learn, you'll grow, and we're going to grow, to grow together. Amen? And today's your day. If you've been living with that burden that you were told that you're going to hell because of this or because of that, let Jesus liberate you, friends. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and if you would like to be forgiven for all of your sins, and if you would like to live in heaven with the Lord, please follow along if you would. Heavenly Father, I come before your throne. Please, Father, I ask for forgiveness of all of my sins. This day I make you my Lord and my Savior. I accept you as my God. I thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary. And I want to spend eternity in heaven with you, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and the angels. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. And friends, I always close out all of my podcasts in remembrance of Pastor John H. Osteen, who coined the best phrase I've ever heard from a pastor. And I'm going to read it to you, but it's only fair and righteous that he receive the credit. Amen? And Pastor Osteen would close out all of his TV sermons with the following phrase, Keep Jesus first place in your life, and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and the privilege, the true privilege that it is of being able to share Christ with you. And I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast. May his blessings be upon you and yours. Today and always, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, friends.